Welcome to the Harvest Sound Podcast based in Nashville, Tennessee. We are a church and a community of believers who are passionate about loving God, loving one another, and transforming the world through divine compassion and anointed creativity. For more info about us, visit harvestsound.com. So, this morning, um, the Lord brought me back to Old Testament story. How many people like stories? And uh, this is a good one. Uh, they're all good. If it's, if it's from God, it's all good, right? And, um, but I think, uh, I feel like there was some other announcement I was supposed to do. Well, I just want to say before I roll into this, just thank you for everyone who can be part of what's happening at Eagles Landing. We're getting some momentum. Some great things are happening. And uh, Courtney and Austin are leading the charge on our new garden. We got a garden. And, uh, yeah, the seven cabins are almost, they're, they're, the end is in sight. We're getting ready to put the roofs on, and, and uh, it's exciting. So there's a lot of momentum, a lot of good things happening. And um, just thanks if you can be part of it in any way. It's greatly appreciated, and we're, we're, we're just anticipating what God has for that land. I feel like, you know, if you ever, you ever read the Bible, anyone read the Bible? Got a couple people reading. Anyone read the Bible? <laughs> so much is about the land and entering into the land and the battle for the land and you know who who has dominion over the land? Is it the the, the bad guys or the good guys or the giants or or God's people? And and I feel like we're still in a battle for land. How many people know that America's uh, under attack right now in, on multiple levels? I mean, there's so many levels that we're fighting for. I think the the soul of our nation, and the good news is the good news. Someone say the good news is the good news, and it's the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the bottom line. We, you know, Andre Crouch wrote a song back in the '70s, and it, and it said, "Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above Him, there's no other, because Jesus is the way." And uh, and that's you know that never changes and never gets old it's the truth and uh, we need to em- embrace the gospel we were able to launch the tractor ministry now and uh, some of you might have seen some clips from Friday night but our team team did an amazing job out there just singing lifting up the name of Jesus um, if everyone's like what's the tractor ministry well it's a literally an old vintage tractor with a trailer and uh, Pop Sam's been helping me get it all souped up and and uh it's been amazing, everyone pulling together. But we're, Lord willing, we're going to have two tractors eventually, and then we're going to have even more, um, more vehicles. We've got trailers out sitting at Eagles Landing that can be all worked as harvest vehicles. There's all kinds of cool stuff coming because we're serious about the harvest. Jesus said the harvest is great and the workers are few. I like to say the workers are you, <laughs> us. <laughs> Instead of just blaming it on, oh, there's only a few. It's just the way it's always going to be. It's like... Here I am, Lord, send me. So if you have a heart to be part of either Friday Night Fire, get out on the streets, and, and um, if you want to see something different, usually you got to do something different. Ah. It's not really rocket science. If we want to see America different, and we've just been doing the same thing, even in personal ownership, it's like if we, if we see like it's not quite working, we're not getting 
then, then don't just blame it on the big picture or social media or the, or the, uh, you know, the fake news or this or that, anything, uh, or even blame it on politics. We are the light. Like we, you know, Jesus said, he was the light of the world. He looks at his disciples and says, now you're the light of the world. Go shine. And so we have to be willing to stretch and do things and get out there and, and uh, you know, constantly he says to, to go, you know, uh, go into all the nations, go into the world. And um, that's two-thirds of the word God, go. And, uh, you know, so there's something about we get repositioned. We, 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 we do some things. We go some places maybe we've never been and watch what God will do. Does that make sense to anyone? But I really want to encourage everyone that, that uh, when we're ready to step out, God's ready to step out. So you want God to step out? He's, he's going, well, who's waiting on who? Hmm? Right? And so uh, we got to be ready to, to, as the Holy Spirit leads, timing, go try stuff, do stuff. But uh, be like a Peter, okay? Who, likes, who wants to be a leader? If you want to be a leader, you got to be like a Peter. He got out of the boat when no one else would, right? Yeah, you, you were like, well, I could sink just like Peter too. Well, eventually it worked out. It all steadied out for him after you got, you know, keep your eyes on Jesus now, trying something new. Just keep going. And, and he became one of the primary leaders, I think, a lot because of his passion, his courage, his boldness. And, yeah, some of those characters that step into that, that sphere of pioneering and blazing trails, they make mistakes but at least they're doing something when everyone else is in the boat complaining. Yeah, a lot of times people in the boat are fearful, like, oh, you know, it's getting rough out here. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, and God's, and I believe there's a pioneering anointing on this congregation, this church, to keep blazing, keep trying stuff, keep going where Jesus calls us to go, to not uh, settle for the way things are. Does that make sense? And so the Lord is calling us out. He's calling us in, and I want, and, and, everything you do for Jesus, when you're on your deathbed someday, you'll never regret it. You'll be like, even if it didn't, wasn't that pretty, even if it didn't work out perfectly, anything you did for the Lord and for the honor of his name and just going to a prison, going to a nursing home, doing something, helping a friend, baking a pie, you know, someone that's been sick, you know, whatever those acts of kindness and servanthood and, man, you'll never regret those things. There's a lot of other stuff we do. It's going to add up to a whole bunch of nothing, you know? So let's just be reminded that, you know, the greatest among us will be a servant, will be like a child. The greatest will be like the least, and that means we humble ourselves. We're going to talk about a man here in Second Kings chapter 5. That was a little introduction, I guess, uh, um, for this message. Um, 2 Kings chapter 5. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. We're talking about a great man who had to learn to humble himself to see God move in the way he desired. This is the story of Naaman. I love this story. Now, Naaman was a commander in the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, bands from Iran had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master 
would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Now skipping down to verse 9, for sake of time, we're going to go to this portion of the story. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not the Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, much better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored, and he became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there's no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant. Please be seated in the presence of the Lord. Let's get into this. You ready for this? So how in the world does this relate to us, relate to you, or even relate to us as a nation right now? I feel like the Lord said, not only is this a personal message for every individual, but there's also something, I think, even for America right now. So let's look into this. So first of all, um, I love, I'm just going to mention this, that I love how the turning point of the story comes from a little servant girl, Israel, Israelite uh, servant girl who just happens to hear about the distress that this great man is in. He's a great general. He's a great soldier. He's valiant. He's got all that, a lot of things going for him, but he has this condition called leprosy. And if you know in the Bible, leprosy was pretty much incurable apart from God. It was a death sentence. And uh, so uh, this little, this young girl, this captain who had been taken captive from Israel, she kind of just interjects, just like, you never know what, doesn't matter what position in life we're in. You could be young, you could feel like, I'm just a servant, I don't got much to offer. One word from the Lord, one suggestion, one little imprint, and, and everything can start to change. So, so he hears this word, and he actually listens. That should be something for those of us who are a little, maybe older or higher up in, in status of life or, or leadership or anything like that. It's like you never know who God's going to speak through. You never know where, where the word of the Lord is coming from. And you can learn something from everyone. Okay? So it's, it's fascinating that it starts with this young girl who speaks out and says, Hey, if, if, if my master would go down to, to, to the prophet in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Look at that faith, too. I mean, that's some bold faith. Not just like, well, there's this guy I heard he kind of does, kind of sort of does this healing thing and might work for you. No, if he can make it to this prophet, he'll get cured. Boom. If it wasn't a word of faith and confidence like that, do you think this general would have even paid attention? 
Oh, we got some healing over there in Israel. It sometimes works all right. You know, for some people it works out. But this lady, this young girl, she prophesied with confidence. God is looking for those who will speak forth with faith. Words of faith move mountains. Amen? Amen. And so let's, let's take a look at uh, Naaman. His, his name actually means pleasant or pleasantness uh, or one who prepares himself for motion or for action. Okay, he was a man of action, and everything had gone pretty well. He was successful. Things were pleasant. He was looked up to. He had gotten great victories. Of course, it says there from this, this pagan man who didn't know the Lord of Israel, it says that the Lord, interesting, had given him success. Isn't it interesting that we, we see that God is the one who gives success even to those who don't give glory to them to him? Even to someone who doesn't even yet know God, and he didn't know Yahweh, and yet God was the one who had positioned him. God was the one giving him success. All promotion comes from the Lord. It's best to get close to him. <laughs> and so, uh, so he was, you know, uh, his name meant pleasant, having qualities that tend to give pleasure, agreeable. This is, I mean, everyone wants to be around someone that's successful, right? So he had, a, he had things going for him. And uh, he was probably a celebrity in his times. He had favor with the king. Uh, he was a valiant soldier. But, someone say but. He had leprosy. Sometimes we can have all this stuff going, and then something cuts in on us and starts to spoil all that God had even been given us, the way you've been blessed. You ever had that? All of a sudden you get a phone call. You know, something happens, something changes, something rearranges in our life, and all of a sudden there's a big butt. And I, I meant that with a one T, a big old butt. <laughs> sometimes a big old butt interrupts <laughs> our very success, our very existence, okay? And he, but this was called leprosy. And you, you see of all these, these uh, heroes um, yeah. uh, you see all these heroes in the, in the Bible, and many of them have this but. They have a tragic flaw. They have something. They got God working with them. They got favor. They got, they got open doors. And then there's something in there that's just cutting in on them, ruining the whole thing. In this case, he had leprosy. What is leprosy? Incurable skin disease slowly progressing, and most people, especially the, the laws of, of Yahweh, that, that um, they had to be removed from society. They, they were outcasts. They had to, like, warn people, even if they're coming, get away from me because it's a contagious disease and all these things. And so this man, he's hiding something. He's got this, probably maybe only his family knows at this point that he's got this disease growing, maybe under that armor, all that protection and power and everything he had something going on on the inside, something incurable, something concerning, something that would eventually take over his whole life and steal his life. Okay, now, in the Bible, leprosy is also compared to a, a type of sin. Um, one, one reason is that it's incurable by human uh, means. Only God can cure sin and save a sinner. For all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. We know in Romans chapter 3 verse 23. So we all have this issue. This leprosy called sin. That is only cured by the Lord himself. And, um, and so this, uh, 
this is the case of this man. So he's, he's in a, a dire situation. It's only going to get worse. And, uh, and so let's, let's take a look at um, what next point. Uh, yeah, leprosy causes numbness. If you actually look at, at the, uh, the disease, it's not just fingers falling off and things. What it would do, it, was just, it would just cause numbness primarily. And then if you, if you don't have your senses, if you can't feel anything, what would happen is people would, you could, you know, bang your, your hand in a door. You don't even know. I just lost a finger. Or you pick up something burning. You're like, you have no clue. So because of this numbness that would come in, uh, they would start to lose stuff. Things would, would go wrong. Imagine if your body felt no pain. You'd just do stuff like, ah, here we go, right? You don't even know, you know? Pain is, is actually a good thing. It's a warning. It tells us something's wrong. Something's out of order. And, and in, the, in the spiritual sense, this leprosy, um, it, it, it causes a loss of sensation that leads to deformity. Now, we know at the end of the age, Jesus talks about um, the love of most growing cold. That, that, you know, love is when you're fully alive, fully awake, and your, your emotions are engaged, and, and there's, there's beauty and bounty, and things are working. But what happens when people start, when the love starts to grow cold? Or what happens when, when um, you know, it talks about in second, or sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, it says, some teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. What happens when our conscience starts to be seared? What happens when we're no longer pricked by sin, the pain of sin, or the sorrow of, of, of how it breaks God's heart? What happens when we just start to go on? I don't care. I mean, just everyone's doing it. Everything's, you know, have you heard the new phrase now? Progressive Christianity? We're just going to move on, and we're going to define Christianity according to the culture. I mean, this is, a, this is a cancer. This is a leprosy that's coming on the body of Christ right now, and there's a lot of aggressive people trying to redefine everything. Pick and choose what you want in the Bible, you know? And, and, and I think, I think it's, a, it's a, a horrific thing. It's, uh, it's heresy, and, you know, you can't redefine. Here's, I've said this before, but I'll keep saying it. If God, Almighty God, the maker of heaven and earth, is not capable of getting us an accurate message then is he God at all? Like, what are we even doing? We should just go party. Let's, we're done. There is no God. Hey, eat, drink, and be merry. Uh, but I am under the impression <laughs> that there is a mighty God, an almighty God, who has a mind on the matter called humanity and this great experiment that's happening here. He actually has already told the story. He knows the beginning from the end. And he's given us safe, good, pleasant boundaries and the word of the Lord that we can adhere to and therefore be blessed and learn to know him and know his ways and come in to the fullness that he's intended for each of us. I believe it's absolutely true. It's God-inspired word of God. And if God can't get us a message, then we might as well just pack this whole thing up. That's what I look at it. You know, and I get happy every time I see the word of God and it's working and it's alive and, it, and it's, it's powerful and but we have to watch out for these, these, these teachings that come from 
hypocrites and, and liars and those who will distort the word of God and change it, morph it to fit society. Well, that's just not popular. That's old school. It's just a relic of stories from back in the day. Like if, I mean, if that was true, then let's just forget the Naaman story, right? Let's just go have lunch now. But I believe there's a reverence to all the word of God. It says that those at the end of the age, these stories of the Old Testament are there for those who are now at the end of the age as a warning that we could learn from. The whole story of Israel, which is mostly the, most of the Bible, Old Testament and New, New Testament. Uh, there's things that we learn from this nation that was chosen from one man, Abraham. Okay, I better keep going here. So, uh, but God says in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25 says, I will remove from you a heart of stone, a calloused heart, a numb heart, and give you a heart of flesh that you can feel again. And, you, and your conscience would be alive. And you can revere the Almighty as he deserves to be. So here's a question before we go further. Uh, what is your leprosy? What is the sin that's eating at you? That's taking away hands, feet, ears, eyes. It's, everyone's got issues that we go through, challenges, addictions, afflictions, hidden sins, willful sins. And it's important to put it out on the altar before God and say, God, would you consume this? You already paid for me to be free. I want to be free. He who the sun sets free is really free, truly free. That's your inheritance. You don't have to live in bondage. Come into the light. Be accountable. Get aggressive against sin. It's like a cancer eating away all the great things that God has done for you and will do for you. So how do we get cured? The big question. How do we get cured? Let's, we can learn from the story of Naaman. You ready to go there? Number one, we have to get rid of I thought. He had, it, he had a mind on how this whole thing was going to flow. And if he had stuck with his expectations, his I thought, he would have went away a sick man. Nothing would have changed. It would not be a miraculous story. It would be a very distressing, disturbing, dismal story of a man who just died, who had it all, who just died of leprosy. So we have to get rid of I thought, our way. And, and he was challenged by what happened to him when he went to the prophet's house, the man of God. Imagine him come with the horses and the servants and all the gifts and the entourage. Great man, great general showing up to this lowly little land of Israel. And, and uh, so he's coming in and he's thinking, okay, I'll give it a shot. I got no other options. So, you know, and, and he says, he goes, I, I thought he would at least come out and see me. All this prophet does, what an, what an offense. All he does is sends his messenger, you know, I'm busy back here making soup. <laughs> tell, tell that man. You know, just, just go dip in the Jordan. He just gives him a word. Just tell him what to do. He'll be all right. You know? And, and so, but it totally offends him. And, and he, he says, he, I thought he would for sure just come out and, you know, wave his mystical hand over my spot. Everybody's got a spot, right? Everyone's got something that needs a touch from the Lord. He's got, At least I get a touch after traveling all this way, I got a letter from the king. We skipped that part of the story where he was sanctioned by the king to go to Israel for this purpose. And, and you know, and then, he's, then later on he says, man, 
And then he tells me to go dip in the Jordan. He goes, like, like of all rivers. He's already offended, so now he's picking at the whole thing. Like, are you kidding me? The muddy Jordan? You know, I mean, I've been to the Jordan in Israel when we went there, and, and you, you think of it because it means so much to Israel and to the land and all the stories, the Bible story. And you go there, and you're like, it's maybe as, at least the parts I saw is maybe as wide as, as the foundry here. You know, there's parts that are, I mean, it's not that big, and it's considered muddy. I mean, harvest time, it overflows. But, but you, he's like, he's going, man, the, the, the Abana River and the Farpar River, you know, Abana meant golden river. It meant gold <laughs> by the Greeks. The Farpar River meant swift and lively. And he says, go to this lowly place, the lowest place leading to the Dead Sea in Israel. And, and, he, and, and he says, go down there. And that muddy old Jordan and dip. So he's like, now he's picking it. He's like, I got better rivers back home. I can go, you know. And so, um, so the remedy, the prescription seemed like foolishness to him, especially once he was offended. The man didn't even go out to meet him. So now uh, he's, he's, in a, he's offended and he's leaving. He, he goes off. Anyone ever go, gone off before in anger? In, he goes off in a rage. He's going off just leaving I'm out of here come on pack up everything this didn't work out and so uh, anyone ever been, remember Jesus said blessed are those who are not offended by me there's portions of who Jesus is and what he's going to ask you to do it's going to straight up offend your flesh actually crucify your flesh before it's all said and done he'll ask us to do stuff that doesn't make sense on a human uh, intellectual level he chooses the foolish to confound the wise. But let me tell you something. Beggars can't be choosers. Beggars can't be choosers. How many people know you're really a beggar? You're a sinner? In our, in our natural state, our old man, I mean, we are like, we're hopeless and helpless apart from God. So if we get offended by the prescription God gives us, you know, patients shouldn't try to... Uh, prescribed to their physicians, okay? And except for 2020, that was, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It got, it got a little upside down there. <laughs> um, however, in most cases, when you've got a good, healthy doctor aware and awake and everything, then uh, not polarized by politics and everything else, then you get a good prescription, right? And so, but the Lord is our physician, amen? And, uh, and so he, you know, he tells us uh, to believe and be saved. That's a prescription from God. Believe and be saved. Who, who's done that? Two people. All right. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and preach the gospel again here right now. <laughs> Get you sinners saved. <laughs> All right. We got a few more. Let's try that again. How many people have believed and been saved? Ah, that makes this old preacher's heart a little more happy. <clears throat> All right. Um, and so um, let's go to point number two. So number one, we got to get rid of I thought. A lot of expectations, a lot of our timing, things that we think things have to be a certain way. How many people have understood at this point, you've been in it long enough to know that his ways are not our ways? So here's what you can almost do. If you see pretty much everyone saying, it's going to be this way, like the crowd. You ever notice the crowd is you always wrong? So if you see everyone saying, it's going to be this way, then you can almost like step back and go, you know, uh, <laughs> I know my God, and it's just not how it usually works out. He's got something different, but it's even 
It's not just different. It's better. His storyline is always better. His ways are as better as high as the heavens above the earth better. I mean, God's ways, I'm telling you, he, he don't mind creating tension and creating patience and, and being perceived as a delay. Being, even God being perceived as a failure. Remember Jesus? He shows up late for Lazarus' funeral. I mean, Lazarus was still alive when he got the news. He could have got there right away. It says he kind of walked a little slower and delayed and went to a gift shop on the way and over here, you know. I mean, whatever he did, but he just took his time till by the time they get there, it's four days dead. I mean, he looked like a dismal failure. He was the great healer. And he looked late, not just late for lunch, late for a miracle. So God doesn't matter, doesn't mind his own timeline. Okay, I got to get to point two. Uh, we have to be willing to go to the Jordan. I already talked to you about that. The Jordan in Hebrew means the descender, going down, flowing, flowing downward into the Dead Sea, as we talked about. Uh, the Rift Valley, watch this, is the lowest depression on earth where the Jordan is found. So it's a low place. Okay, the Jordan also has been compared uh, to an image metaphor of the cross. I mentioned to you, it's, it's muddy, it's low, it's humble, it's earthy. <laughs> okay? But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things, come on someone, of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. How important is it that we go, we go low, we humble ourselves, we go to the Jordan, we're willing to go. We let go of pride, we let go of ego. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Proverbs eleven two says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. So in this case, he had to literally let go of the ego, ego, let go of my ego. Uh, and how did he do it? Well, he had some help again, didn't he? Isn't it amazing that we're, we're not in this alone? If it hadn't have been for his lowly servants who said, <clears throat> excuse me, my master, my father, <laughs> with some respect and honor, but, you know, if, well, I'll get to point number two. We're, we're going to go right into it here. But the whole thing of we have to go low. We have to be willing to humble ourselves. I, I believe it's daily. My pride can rise up at any time. I can be in the flesh at any time. I can have a good day yesterday and, whoa, what happened to the next day? That's what Apostle Paul says. So I die daily, crucified daily. We carry the cross and it's important to learn to be uh, under that discipline and have people around you who can say, <clears throat> excuse me, but you're getting a little carried away with yourself there. And that's what these servants did. Uh, and, and, and point number four, I think I got the points right, but uh, is that we're not cured by doing great things. Because they say to him, they interject, they say, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? If it's something that stroked his ego or like go fight a war and be a valiant, you know, win that war over there and you'll be cured. He would have been, 
I know how to do that. Let's, let's get on with it. But he told them to do something that was unusual, that was lowly, that was humble, that was stretching, that was offensive. So they, they point out his pride, basically, in so doing. They say, hey, if you were told to do something great, you'd be on it. We know you. How many times do we want to do something great for God? You know, it's a noble thought, effort, but God doesn't need our great efforts. He needs our humble obedience. So he went, and he, he went to the river. He humbled himself. He went down. He dipped himself in the river. And now he told him another unusual thing. He says, dip not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, five, not even six, but seven which we know is the number of the Lord. The fingerprint of God means perfection, completion. He says, go dip seven times. As, and, and so he does this as the man of God told him. And, and the amazing thing happens. His flesh was restored and he became clean. And watch this. He became like a young man. How many people know that when we obey God, we, our, our youth is renewed? There's, there's something that keeps us alive and well and healthy when we're in that stream of obedience, when we're just following God no matter what it looks like, no matter how offensive it was to us, no matter how other people don't understand it, but we're just in the obedience, the river of obedience. And he says, dip seven times. He's like, yes, sir, seven times it is. And I, I, I'll guarantee you, he dipped and he dipped. He probably looked every time. All right. Do it again. Do it again. I, I, I'm under the impression that it wasn't until the seventh he came up and was like, whoa, whoa. I'm like a young kid again. Look at my skin, fresh and new and vigorous and no more disease. Come on, someone. So question, what is your Jordan? What is that humble thing the Lord's been asking you to do? And seven speaks of a process. Someone say process. It's, it's so critical that we stay in the process and not cut short from what God's called us to do. Now, how are we going to do that? We've got to trust God. When he says, go to the Jordan, humble yourself, dip in there, do it seven times, uh, it's the process that leads to God's promise. Is that making sense? So a lot of times we despise the process. Like, well, I want quick fix. You know, come on. Come on, someone. We're in microwave age. We're in like, we got fiber up in here. We got information at the speed of light now. It travels by light. Everything's quick. Why isn't God quick? He doesn't care about our technology, he actually allows it to happen, but he still is on his own timeline. Actually, he's out of time. He's not even in time, but he'll work within time just to make you holy. He'll put a little delay there and a little delay there, and then all of a sudden he'll do a suddenly. Delay, delay, delay. Suddenly, delay, suddenly. Okay, now just walk normal for a while. Delay. Suddenly, speed up, slow down. God's working in all of that transforming us. You ever notice that? Time is one of the big things that makes people flip out, that go off in a rage. 
I should have been married at 25. I made a deal with myself. Now what are you going to do? God's not cooperating with you. He's under the impression that you are not in charge. (laughs) And that you don't know all you think you know. (laughs) So the amazing thing, they go back. He's totally healed. But he's not just healed. He's not just restored. His flesh was restored. But then it says he was cleansed. And I believe he was cleansed of his idolatry also. He was cleansed of the inner man, the sin, the idolatry, the pagan uh, revelry that he had probably grown up in. Because he goes back, he says, now, after this process, he says, now I know that there's no God in all the world except in Israel. He now knows the God of Israel and he's willing to become an evangelist. Now I know. And now everybody's going to know. That's what happens when you truly get saved. You want everyone to know. It's the good news. It's the resurrection life. That's why, you know, a Friday night or an outreach or, or just getting a nudge throughout the workday and when God says, talk to this one or bless this waitress or, or you know, everything we do for, for the honor of God is so important that everyone would know this good news. Now I know there's no God in all the world except in Israel. Now I know there's no name under heaven by which we must be saved. So God just doesn't want us healed. He can heal your physical ailment right now. I pray the spiritual healing right now, a spirit of healing. But he wants you whole, body, soul, spirit. We'll let Sarah take it from there. <laughs> and and, uh, and so um, he doesn't just want you cured. He wants you cleansed. He doesn't just want a quick fix. He wants the real fix that will last. We want deliverance. He wants a resurgence of his bride on fire. We're like, just get me out of this crazy situation. Just give me the right politician. He'll fix everything. And I want it now. And the Lord's like, no, I'm working on my church first and foremost. Whatever condition she needs to be in to awaken her, to purify her, that's what I'm doing first and foremost. Does this make sense? We want the quick fix. We want the deliverance. We don't like pain. We don't even know when we grow numb. We want a way out. He wants to weigh in. Oh, someone will get that at lunch. (laughs) Okay? He is the Lord. He is the Lord of our lives. He's a master. So quick review. We can go, go ahead and play the, the pretty sounds behind me. <laughs> quick, quick review here. We have, first of all, we all have leprosy. We all have spiritual sin. We sometimes have physical issues. We need cures. We need the Lord. Okay? It's, it's first, you know, bless are those who are poor. Bless are those who are needy. Blessed are those who understand their need. It's the sick who need a doctor. Blessed are those who understand they're sick. It's horrible when we go through life thinking we're all that. And then get to the end of our life and realize, oop, I missed it. I missed him. God wants to deliver you from 
a spiritual disease of numbness where our consciences to deliver us of that he wants to deliver us of I thought our imagination our ways our expectations so that we're free to follow him and the interesting fascinating things he has for you on the journey that you would have never thought of I would have never taken that path I would have never ended up in the hood if you had asked me truthfully our, our journey there's no way I would have like chose that for myself but I am forever grateful the Lord had a path and that we were able by his grace to say yes and yes and yes and then begin to realize, man, we are on the greatest adventure of our life because we're following the Lord. We're not just doing our our expectations, our vision for our life. We have to be willing to go low, to go to the Jordan go through the process allow our egos to be crucified we have to understand we're not cured by doing great things for God we're cured by obeying him and through the finished work of the cross the gift of of God through Christ Jesus Let's just take a moment and we'll pray and see what Holy Spirit wants to do at this point. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Jesus. Mighty God, we thank you that there's nothing too hard for you. Lord, you can heal us You can fix us. You can fix this nation. And I believe you are. I believe you're working, Lord, in ways sometimes we can't see. Sometimes we see it. But Lord, give us all the grace to dip seven times. Whatever you've called us to, God, to follow through in the word of the Lord and to revere the word of the Lord that even comes through the prophet. You, you, you speak through people, Lord. Help us understand that, that you're committed to that. Thanks for tuning in to the Harvest Sound podcast. Be sure to follow Harvest Sound on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. 